Welcome to Gold Star Classroom, the podcast where our panelists go back to school. We'll grade them on their answers to a variety of general knowledge and trivia questions. They don't know what we're going to ask, and we don't know what they're going to say. The student with the highest grade at the end of the class will win the coveted classroom prize, the Golden Banana. I'm your host and headmaster, Professor Jerry Jaffe. Welcome to today's episode of Gold Star Classroom. I'm your host and headmaster, Dr. Jerry Jaffe. Today's classroom is being recorded at Toth's Place and Mentor. It's my pleasure to introduce today's students. Sitting on my right, a comedian who claims he's in possession of a huge rooster, <laughs> Dan Brown. How are you doing today, Jerry? I'm doing good, Mr. Brown. Are you all right today? <laughs> you have to keep that thing under control. Oh, no promises. Unless it's a service rooster, we can't have animals or pets in the classroom. Uh, very well. Okay. I'll uh, put it back where it belongs. Sitting on my left. In my mouth. <laughs> um, that. I mean, hen house. To my students listening at home, I'd like to introduce a student sitting directly across from me, comedian and entertainer who's in search of a Mossberg 500 persuader, Kevin Downey Jr. Thank you, Jerry. Hey, this is my radio puker voice. Ever listen to radio in the morning when you got a guy talking like this? We call those pukers on radio. <laughs> I can't believe you said that. And, uh, and we give them a minus 10 point penalty for using that voice in the classroom. So you're already minus 10 in the hole. Well, there's 20. <laughs> but, but it was 20 points well spent. <laughs> and sitting on my left is beloved son, John Hoffner. That's so nice of you to say. <laughs> Thank I'm, you, Jerry. I'm just reading what's on my tear sheet. <laughs> Good to be here. And this is... Uh, audio format so the students listening at home do not know if I actually have a tear sheet or not. I can just say that and in their mind one exists. Very well. Well welcome to today's <laughs> class where it is my job as your teacher to quiz you on facts and information across the breadth and width of human learning and as any good teacher would do, grade your answers. May I quiz you first? No. <laughs> but, but thank you for asking. I didn't go to graduate school for eight years so other people could quiz me. Can I quiz Dan? What's Ooh. a tear sheet? I don't know. Everybody just laughed. I pretended I knew what it was. All right, I don't really know what it is either. Okay. High five. Students listening at home should know that Dan and Kevin just high-fived. <laughs> high fives are often banned on other podcasts. Although unruly behavior will get you dismissed to the principal's office. So please try to control yourself, Dan. <laughs> In order to get you warmed up, I'd just like to ask you one quick trivia question. In what year was Heineken established? <laughs> 1873. Go 1873 on this one. John Hoffner, five points for getting there fastest. All right. Now that you're warmed up, I'd like to ask you a real question. All right. This question begins with me introducing you to a strange word. And you're going to try to tell me what this word means. And this word is quite long, at least twice as big as Dan Brown's rooster. Ooh. And I would actually um, like to warn you, because it's so long, that it ends with phobia. So that's a clue. So I wanted you to know that while you're listening to the rest of the word, you'd have that in mind. What does this extremely long word mean? Hexacosio e hexi canta hexaphobia. Can you use it in a sentence? 
<laughs> a fear of the number 666. Oh. Gold star Kevin Downey Jr. Aha! <laughs> well In your faces! Thank you. Wow. Well done. Gold star and bonus 20 points, making your current score zero. Oh. <laughs> I don't think that's fair. <laughs> oh, no. Um, th that is the technical name for the fear of the number 666. Uh, the number 666 has another common name in popular culture. It is the... Devil's number? That's a paraphrase, but there's a formal, a capital letter... The Devil's Lotto number. <laughs> <laughs> Three digit. Dan? Uh, devil's pin number? <laughs> okay. Like it? The Devil's it was... so mean, he doesn't use a fourth number. <laughs> it is all... Other... Secretly, it's just another six. Otherwise known as... The number of the beast. Oh. Um, it's a superstition undeniably originates with a well-known world religion. Do you know which religion? Catholic. Satanism. <laughs> well, in Satanism, it's a much beloved number, not a feared number. Um, Catholicism is a good guess, but there's a more broad... Christianity? Correct! Ah, oh, killing! <laughs> yes. You pagans! <laughs> yes. Get your religions together. Um... The number uh, is associated with, or has its origins in Christianity because it has its origins in what famous book? Revelations. Correct. Spoken like a true homeschooler. <laughs> <laughs> Were you really? Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Yes. For students listening at home who may not realize that John Hoffner was, in fact, homeschooled. Um, that number is famously repeated throughout popular culture. There's a, a movie with many sequels and a reboot. Damien knows, Damien knows. That's the song they play when he figures it out. Yes. Damien knows, Damien knows. The movie, which is famous for? Omen. The Omen. Thank you. Correct. That's worth 600 points, by the way. Well, 668 points, because it is bad luck to use the number 666. In fact, a famous president once had his house number changed, because it would have been 666. Who is Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> Wrong, but good guess. Actually, Jerry, every president has had his house number changed. They've been Minus Minus five points for being a smartass. And um, there's a particular president who bought a house and the house that he bought had the address 666, and he had it changed to 668 because he did not want to live in a house with the number of the beast as his address. Was it James Garfield? No. Damn it. John Kennedy. <laughs> no. I'm going through everyone assassinated. This, ben Franklin. This president was the victim of an attempted assassination. Ronald Reagan. Correct. Oh. Who was known for being somewhat superstitious, uh, seeing an astrologer, having lucky jelly beans, things like that. Now, I hear uh, you got the hard question, Kevin, which was that weird and crazy word. We've gone through some trivia related to the number 666. There's, however, something very important that most people do not know about the number 666. In the year 2005, a group of scholars announced something very important about the number 666. It equals 18. <laughs> <laughs> It took scholars thousands of yeah. years to <laughs> piece together. Got it! Got it! <laughs> Finally! They were very distracted by Y2K until then. <laughs> until they'd settled that Y2K problem. Yeah. 
a group of biblical scholars announced that there was evidence that the number, which comes from Revelation 666, has been mistranslated all of these years. And 666 is not the number of the beast. It's seven. <laughs> Everyone's lucky number. I gather from that uh, Dan's stare right now. <laughs> that tattoo one. to change. Four. <laughs> the actual correct number of the number of the beast, if translated and researched properly, is 616. Hmm. Not 666. That's an area code somewhere. <laughs> yes. yes, there are hundreds of thousands of people living with the number of the beast right now. Huh. Uh, it's got to be hell. I pr- <laughs> All right, I can use two pity points for that one. <laughs> Thank you. Huh. <laughs> the great British wit and wag, Stephen Fry, once said, an original idea, that can't be too hard. The library must be full of them. Let's see if we can get some in here. <laughs> As we search out an original idea, I have a question for you. I I would like to, as a good scholar, I always give uh, credit where credit is due. This question was inspired by some trivia in the book The Y Files by David J. Tenenbaum. And Mr. Tenenbaum asked this question, can playing poker make you sick? Yes. We have a vote for yes. I'll say no. Okay. Kevin, where does that leave you? I'm going to say it can make you sick if you're playing Texas Hold'em. <laughs> can I just throw this in? Uh, 616, I know, is the Michigan area code, but it's not Hell, Michigan. <laughs> I was hoping it was. Oh, I just looked it up. 734 is Hell, Michigan. <laughs> Big miss on that one, but God, that would have been a grand slam. <laughs> that would have been a grand slam. Unfortunately, you're not allowed to use your phone in class to look up information. Oh. Oh. Minus 25 points, oh. and I'll have to dock you a gold star. I'm getting slaughtered. <laughs> <laughs> rookie mistakes, rookie mistakes. I have a very strict classroom here. I see that. Um, of course, the question has been phrased as a yes-no question, so we've had a vote for yes and a vote for no and a vote for Texas Hold'em, which <laughs> um, is a form of poker played with toast, apparently. In what ways, Dan, who said yes, do you mean that playing poker could make a person ill? Most poker nights have people smoking. Smoking leads to lung cancer. The presence of cigarette smoke? Anyone wish to agree? As well as headaches. Or Or alcoholism. Because there's a lot of people drinking at these things. I considered the smoking and drinking, Mm -hmm. but I blame the alcohol and cigarettes, (laughs) not the poker. (laughs) Indeed, they seem to be secondary factors. Yes. For example, even if you weren't playing poker, but were in the room with the people, you could get sick from those. Mm -hmm. So... The question was more focused. You're literally playing poker. Can that make you physically ill? Yes, the germs and the cards. Gold star Dan Brown. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, I'd rip this shirt if I had another one. <laughs> Dan Brown, for the students listening at home, Dan Brown was just prancing around here like a proud rooster. <laughs> Like a huge, huge, proud rooster. Um, A 2006 study of people who had colds were asked to stay in a hotel overnight, and then the next day their surfaces were, the surfaces of, not of the people, of the hotel room surfaces, were examined for germs. What percentage of surfaces that the, in the hotel rooms of people who had colds were found to be contaminated? 100%. 
a, a, a surprisingly rational guess, actually. Anyone wish to offer a different? I'm going to say 0%. Ah, 30. I <laughs> 35, actually, John Hoffner. So 35 points for you. Excellent. Um, well, he did say 30, so I say 0 points for you. Well, you didn't let me finish. 35% was... <laughs> <laughs> of the surfaces in the hotel rooms where people touch things, like remote controls and light switches, were found to have cold viruses on them. Could they have been there before the sick people got there? I would have to say you deserve five points for asking an Aha, intelligent question. I have um, more intelligent questions. Uh, I said you deserve five points. I didn't say you were going to receive them. <laughs> this study has been correlated with a separate study in which um, people were asked to touch surfaces that were known to have cold-causing viruses on them. And then the a rooster, perhaps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My rooster has many diseases. Germ-encrusted rooster of unbelievable proportions. Um, and then their fingertips were studied in order to find out how often the germs transferred to their hands. <laughs> I hope this study was not done in a college dormitory. Um, <laughs> or in my hotel room. <laughs> the floor underneath the computer desk is pregnant. <laughs> How's that even possible? <laughs> what is the percentage of touches that resulted in germ transfer in those circumstances? For me, after a show? <laughs> a lot. A lot. But not 100%, by the way. Yeah. So we have a one in 100%, one in 100 chance of getting this right. <laughs> Pretty much. I'm going to go 35. 35. Percentage of, of touches in a study between people who were infected and, and In this case, people between, between men and women on a bus. Okay. <laughs> the percentage of touches. Uh, uh, surfaces were covered with cold viruses. People touched them. And then I their see, hands were studied to detect the, the virus on their hand. What percentage of the time was the virus found on their hand? Say 5%. Yeah, a vote for 5%, a vote for 30%, 35. 35%? $1. $1. <laughs> Without going over. It was actually higher than all of that. It's, it's over 60% of the touches resulted in viral transfers. Hmm. But now you put those two statistics together, and we come back to playing poker. So if you're, anyone at the table has a cold or even had cold viruses on their hands, that's the... How, that's how cold germs are transferred, is through touch. Um, however, simply handling playing cards will not cause you to get ill. There's one more thing you have to do. Lick them. <laughs> In fact, no. Insert them. Somewhere, but where's the question? <laughs> I'm hoping your mouth. <laughs> no, it, nope. In fact, it's... Uh, your nose? Correct. It is the nose. The nose or eyes. Oh. That's how the cold virus gets into invading your system. Is are, are people people rubbing their eyes after touching the cards? Yes. Okay. Probably from the cigarette smoke. Okay. Um, hmm. The cold virus actually enters your body through a very particular orifice. <laughs> <laughs> Leave Dan's rooster out of this. <laughs> Hello, trucker. <laughs> you look lonely. <laughs> Does anyone know which orifice the cold virus enters the body? Ears. Not ears. But I will say we've already mentioned the nose and eyes, so it's something to do with your nose and eyes. Mm. 
So what? I'm gonna go nose and eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is slightly more specific now. Mm. So you've touched your nose or eyes with your, your germ-covered hand. Your pupils are a hole, but this is not the hole by which germ viruses get into your body. I'm all out of holes. I know, there, but there's a hole, right? It's not nostril? Not nostril, but it's... Nasal cavity? Sinuses. The tear ducts. Ah. The tear ducts is the actual... Crevice. Crevice by which cold viruses get into your body. So, therefore, if you don't touch your face while playing poker, you can protect yourself from catching a cold. Good to know. That's something they don't tell you in IMDb. Oh. Or WebMD. Which one's IMDb? IMDb is movies. movies. Right. Yeah, they won't tell you that on there uh, either. No. There's all kinds of things they don't tell you. What if I'm in a bar in Thailand with a bunch of sick hookers? <laughs> don't rub them on your tear ducts. All right. Thank you. <laughs> um, it, has, it has been remarked upon that as a teacher, I'm sometimes a little too strict with my constructive criticism. So for, in an effort to build up my students' self-esteem, I have here a list of 101 random ways to praise children. And with that in mind, I'd just like to say, I respect you. <laughs> you try it without the tone? <laughs> Last time I heard this, I got into a van. <laughs> you still respect me, right? <laughs> <laughs> we, didn't, uh, we didn't respect you in the first place. That's just the thing we say to students. It's not actually true. Um, in the most recent generation, say over the past 20 years, there has been an increase in children who were given up for adoption being reunited with their real parents. That's, um, that's sort of always happened over the years, but in the past generation... Uh, I don't know if it's computers or just the new mindset of people who've been adopted, but it's become much more common. As a um, digressionary foot, foot point, point <laughs> <laughs> this has led to a new problem, a problem that was very, very rare before the reuniting of adopted children with their biological parents. The children killing the parents. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a problem. Thanks a lot, Hort! <laughs> if anyone has that Musburger Persuader, yeah. Jr. still looking for it. 410 Musburger Persuader with a pistol grip, sorry. <laughs> this term was coined um, by the founder of Truth Seekers and Adoption, a Chicago-based support group in the late 1980s, because of what is called genetic sexual attraction. You know what, that was gonna be my guess. <laughs> <laughs> you should have said it, my man. Those uh. points could have all been yours right now. It, it has led to an increase in incest. Mm. Um, I thought this was a PG show. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, the rooster's out of the box now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was just saying, I got I got an increase in Netflix night. <laughs> Come on over, kid. Good to see you after 18 years. <laughs> you like a Walking Dead? <laughs> Genetic sexual attraction is um, was reported on in New Yorker magazine in uh, 2015, and it's an editorial. My dad is hot. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what the story was about, actually. 
It is defined as sexual attraction between close relatives, such as siblings, half-siblings, parents, or first cousins, who meet, who first meet as adults. Do they know their cousins or siblings or whatever? In the case of like this truth seekers and adoption group, yes, because it is, and what we're talking about in this article is a result of people reuniting with their parents that they were separated from and didn't really know or ever know. I'm uncomfortable with this whole topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, rather than <laughs> dwelling on the awkward sociology of it all, let's attempt to be a little more scientific about it. 616. <laughs> 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 it is um, a uh, sort of anthropological fact that people tend to select mates that are like themselves, both physically and mentally. Um, people uh, commonly uh, rank faces similar to their own. I'm banging attractive. Robert Smith from The Cure. <laughs> <laughs> the happiest he's been in years. <laughs> Any... Any students listening to this at home should immediately Google Robert Smith from The Cure and Kevin Downey Jr. Come back, come back. Um, for example, a study of um, just uh, the IQs between husbands and wives find that there's an average correlation of how close are the IQs on average between husbands and wives. Have you ever heard this before? No. This might be important to know because you're already married. This could affect your entire relationship. I date idiots, so I feel smarter. <laughs> <laughs> and you see where that's gotten you? <laughs> Back in school. Um, married couples tend to have IQs within two points of each other. Wow. It's mm. pretty close. And again, that's the kind of average. That doesn't mean it's 100% of the case, but it's a tendency. This, and this is like an example of that people tend to be attracted to people similar to themselves. Why can't I be you? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ten points for Kevin Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing your total to zero. <laughs> I'm back! <laughs> I'm currently reviewing my grade book in order to determine who is going to win today's classroom prize, the coveted golden banana. And um, we see that uh, Kevin's grade is currently a zero. Uh, John's grade is currently a five. And uh, Dan's grade is currently a D. <laughs> uh, just like back Dad? in school. <laughs> for, um, for your rooster. Thank you. Your rooster has earned a D. Ooh. <laughs> That's what I call the rooster. Could be a double D. Double. It's got the D. Before I finish calculating your grades, however, I'd like to give each of you one more chance to improve your grades through extra credit. And so uh, for extra credit in today's class, I'm going to offer you a topic, and you'll each be given a chance to share some esoteric information of your own. Today's extra credit topic is the British Invasion. So what do you know about the British invasion? Remember, the fancier your trivia, the more bonus points you score. Thursday, I don't care for you. It's Friday, <laughs> I'm in love. Minus 10 points. <laughs> Is it because you got the days wrong because it's technically Wednesday? <laughs> no, because 
The Cure is not a British invasion band. Mm. <laughs> and oh, I'm going to have maybe to not your invasion. <laughs> and I'm, yes, I am the oldest person in class. I'm the teacher. Um, and uh, since we're not licensed to play that song, it's going to have to be edited out anyway. <laughs> um, any music history, rock music history trivia? The Beatles used to play in bars and get in fights. But that was before they invaded. Right. That was, but it was at least a Beatles trivia. Yes. Yes. The pre-war. You know? I met a guy who had a scar on his face because, uh, oh shit, who is a uh, give peace a chance? John, John Lennon. John Lennon. John Lennon threw a window. He threw him through a window. <laughs> what an interesting frame of reference for who John Lennon is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's why I remembered it. Well, John Lennon would say in interviews that he had anger management issues. Yep. And that's why he was interested in peace, because he was trying to find peace in himself. I just want you to know I'd do anything for the best score. <laughs> Put your rooster away, Dan. Okay. <laughs> um, I, have a, I, have a, I have a great trivia British Invasion question. How many members of the Dave Clark Five? Go. <laughs> Gentlemen, do you know how many members are in the Dave Clark Five? I want to say five, but it seems like a trick question <laughs> with Dave Clark. Is it Dave Clark and five? <laughs> Making six. But is Dave Clark part of the five? And really, why is Dave Clark at the front bill? It is a trick question. It was Dick Clark. <laughs> <laughs> Name the, the yacht of the mad scientist in the movie Help. <laughs> now that is esoteric. You get 10 points for just asking that question. Um, I'll have to fact check that one myself. The specter. The specter. Nice. All right. Um, John Hoffner, do you have any music trivia? Yes, my favorite Beatles album is Abbey Road. Can you prove that answer? <laughs> <laughs> Pete Best, you know who yes. he was? Yep. Yes. He was kicked out and replaced by Ringo Starr. He got a huge check in the early 90s. Huh. From no one, there's no name on it, just to Pete Best for like $98,000. Wow. <laughs> well, that was probably a huge check to him and nothing to the person who wrote right. it. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, at the, we come to the end of the extra credit portion of today's test, and it just remains for me, your teacher, to announce the winner of today's coveted classroom prize, the Golden Banana. And as I finish my calculations and use my abacus and, <laughs> and do all these complicated uh, abacus. calculations. The winner of today's Golden Banana is Kevin Downey Jr. Woo! It's Friday. I'm in love. <laughs> um, and that just uh, remains for me, your host, to thank you, my students. Dan? Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Thank you. you did a good job. Don't I, give up. I, do I, your homework. I, I can't Go to the writing that. center, please. Thank you. I will. I ask you. John Hoffner, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And Kevin Downey Jr. has something on his arm. I thought it was a bug. Uh, it was a fuzzy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're safe then. Yeah, I was like, I and hate bugs. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. My pleasure, gentlemen. And then it just remains for me, your host and headmaster, Dr. Jerry Jaffe, to say thank you. Thank you. That was fun. Gold Star Classroom is written and produced by Jerry Jaffe. Our producer and engineer is Stephen Gutierrez. Original music composed and produced by Jeff Geddert. Mr. Geddert is also our assistant producer. All commentary and opinions expressed by guests of Gold Star Classroom are meant for entertainment purposes only. For Gold Star Classroom, I'm Jerry Jaffe.